Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series that Simon started last week, the series that we've called Outward. And last week, Simon talked about this constant battle that we have between what he called the gravity that pulls us inward, which the Bible calls sin. It can be characterized by selfishness, an inward gravity that pulls us away from God and away from people and towards ourself, and the outward gravity, a gravity that the Bible calls love that pulls us towards God and towards other people and away from our selfish desires. So Simon said that in this series, we're going to be talking about how we can turn our lives more outward, how we can be more outward facing in our lives. And in this series, we're going to be looking at Jesus's teaching based around the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus confronts this gravity of sin, this inward selfish gravity, and encourages his followers instead to repent, to turn away from the inward gravity of sin and to turn outward towards loving other people, towards loving God and loving others. So that inward gravity is this pull to self, the pull to selfish desires. What do I want? What's good for me? What do I want in every situation? Whereas this outward gravity is how can I show God's love to other people? How can I put other people in the forefront of what I do and who I am? And it's about readdressing the balance between these two things. Simon said last week that, we can be, as humans, often unbalanced in our inward and outward gravity. We can edge towards being inward rather than getting that balance right. So this morning we're going to be looking at Jesus' very practical teachings and exploring what it might look like for us to live an outward-facing life, a life that pulls us towards God and towards people. And we're going to be looking this morning at what this looks like in community. What does it look like to build community that is outward facing? What does it look like to build community where we, with others, show the love of God to others and put others first? Community is something that I am very, very passionate about. You might get the fact that by now that quite often when I talk, I do end up talking about community and about these things, about working with other people and working together, because I really believe that that is who we are supposed to be. We are supposed to be a communal people. As followers of Jesus, we are more effective when we are in community. And this is simply because we were created for community. In Genesis, God says, let us make 
mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, notice here that in Genesis, when God is talking about making humans, there are no singular pronouns being used. Instead, God's talking in plural pronouns when he's talking about himself. God talks about himself as plural. Let us make, let us make mankind in our image. And because of this, this is why uh, many theologians have come up with the doctrine of the Trinity, where God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God in himself is inherently communal. He loved before creation, and he was in community even before he created anything. And we are created in God's image. So we are created in the image of a communal God, and therefore we are inherently communal beings. We were created to be in community. It's stamped on each one of us, communal beings. And God's plan for us is to be in community, to live in community, to love in community, and to follow Jesus and to do life with Jesus in community. So the question I want to look at this morning is, how can we build a community that is outward-facing? How can we personally, as individuals, how can we build relationships and community around us that is outward-facing? How can we build relationships that's based on the love for others, that's based on the overflow of God's love towards others, rather than building relationships and community based on our own selfishness. How could we do that? What would it look like for us to readdress the balance between the inward and the outward in our relationships and in our community? What would it look like to turn away from any possible gravity of selfishness in our relationships? And I want to look really practically this morning at answering this question. What does it look like? What would it look like to turn outward, to turn more outward in our relationships? And I want to give some tools, some examples. I want us to think together at some ideas of how we can better our relationships that we have with other people, how we can be more unselfish in friendship, and how we can create a culture of community around us. Last week, Simon used this illustration. You'll remember this illustration for last, from last week, where he talked about how often we could hoard God's love. We get God's love and then we choose who is worthy of receiving the overflow of God's love from us. And in this picture, they've decided to give just a trickle of God's love to those around them. 
But Simon pointed out something that the Bible says. Simon pointed out that that the Bible says the measure that we use in loving others will be used by God for us. And I think that's so challenging when we approach our relationships. That the measure that we, we, will, we will be, uh, the measure that we love others by will be the measure that is used for how much love of God we receive in our lives. An outward approach to any relationship extends the love that we have received from God towards others. Whereas an inward approach to any relationship looks to receive as much love as possible from others with minimal expense. Or put another way, an inward approach says, what can I gain from this relationship? Whereas an outward approach says, what of myself can I give in this relationship? The inward is what can I gain? And the outward is what of myself can I give? As a child, I used to go to a Christian festival every year called Spring Harvest. Has anyone been to Spring Harvest before? Oh, loads of people. Okay, great. And Spring Harvest is was brilliant growing up. It had amazing youth work. Every morning and evening, they had meetings with a great worship team, great speakers, lots of fun going on. And I must admit, that was definitely not why I enjoyed Spring Harvest. In fact, this is a bit of a confession time. Please don't judge me. Every single year, I would do the exact same thing. My parents would drop me off at youth. And I would stand, I hope none of my youth are here. No, they're not, it's fine. And I would stand outside the venue, pretend to do something like go to the toilet or something, wait for them to go round the corner, and I would leave. I wouldn't even enter the youth venue because when I was at Spring Harvest, I was on a mission. See, at Spring Harvest, on the last day, there is a football tournament. And I was very much determined to win this football tournament every single year. I only won it once, and I was there about 15 times, so it didn't go that well. But every time I thought, during the youth sessions, this is my best opportunity to scout out who is good at football at Spring Harvest. So I would go down to the football pitches, and I'd walk to the first pitch, have a little scout. I was... Oh, I could probably get a job in a professional football club. I was very detailed in scouting. I would go to the first pitch and see how good everyone is. And if there was no one that good, I would move on to the next pitch. And if I found someone that looked like they might be pretty decent at football, I'd befriend them. I would go over and say, can I come and join your game? And then they'd have about 10-minute trial where I would work out, are they good enough to invite them to join my team for the tournament at the end of the week? And I think, looking back, I was probably really savage. There would have been a lot of moments where I was with someone for 10 minutes and then decided they weren't good enough. So after befriending them, I'd be off onto the next pitch to see if there was anyone any better. But I would take this time during the youth uh, 
the youth meetings, to go and scout out the opposition. And I would make friends depending on how good they were at football. And I'd go away and I wouldn't know anyone's name, but I could tell you what position they played, their stronger foot, and how good they were at football. My friendships were built on whether they could win me the tournament. If they would win me the tournament, they would be my best friend. If they weren't very good at football, I would be off. My approach to it was, what can I gain? What can I gain from this friendship? Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that there's anyone here making friends with anyone based on their footballing ability. But I wonder if we can often approach relationships with a similar intention. We can fall into the trap of asking internally, what am I getting from this relationship? What am I gaining from this relationship? Rather than asking the question, what am I giving in this relationship? The inward force can be so strong that we can forget this outward calling. And I want to look this morning at something that Jesus says during the Sermon of the Mount. A counter-cultural challenge that seems to make very little sense, yet gives us a foundation on how Jesus calls us to approach relationships. And it can be found in Matthew 5, verses 38 to 42. So let's read these verses together. If you have your Bible with you, then we're in Matthew 5. It says this, you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. These are very countercultural things that Jesus is saying in that culture and in our culture today. But it starts by Jesus reimagining an Old Testament law. There's an Old Testament law that you can find in Proverbs or Leviticus that says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus gives a new command to his followers. He says no longer do what is expected or even what is fair. Instead, it's time to show something different. It's time to go above and beyond. If someone slaps you on the one cheek, turn the other. If they sue you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Lend to those who want to borrow and give to those who ask. See, for the early followers of Jesus, these instructions were very practical. They were practical ways to show the love of Jesus in their situations. And you can imagine, as Jesus said this, 
His followers would be hearing it thinking, there's a sense of injustice here. This isn't right. What about what is right? Why would I turn the other cheek when I could just hit them back? Why would I give them my coat if I'm already being sued for my shirt? What's Jesus trying to say? Does Jesus want me to become a doormat? Am I just making myself an easy target in every kind of relationship that I have? And as we read it now, you may also feel that sense of injustice in these words. When we worked on an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we knew exactly where we stood. If someone treats me well, then I will treat them well. If someone treats me badly, then I will treat them equally badly. If someone puts a lot into our friendship, then I'll give them a lot back. But if someone puts very little into our friendship, well, then I'll give very little back. And Jesus is breaking this tit-for-tat mould. Instead, he's telling his followers, go above and beyond with other people. Because an eye for an eye in a relationship says, I will give you as much as I receive from you. And this is an inward turned approach to relationships. The focus is on me because I feel like I need to have this sense of fairness. I need to have this sense of justice. I cannot give more than I have received. But Jesus' outward vision of relationships is one where we pour out the love of God onto those around us. If they ask me to go one mile, I'll go with them too. And when you look at the person of Jesus, you see a man that went about life with that exact approach. Jesus poured himself out for those around him. He actively invested into the disciples' lives. He made friends with the outcasts at a detriment of his own reputation. He built up those around him. He spent time and time again telling the same truths to his disciples, even though they just couldn't seem to get it. And he wasn't afraid to give the hard truths also. Jesus went above and beyond to turn outward in his relationships. Jesus' focus was to give himself to the people around him. And I want to ask this question this morning. What does it look like for us to go the extra mile with our friends, co-workers, small group, neighbours, and even strangers? What does it look like for us to go the extra mile with these people? And equally, what challenges will we face when we do so? What challenges might we face as we, what challenges will we come across as we give ourselves to people that might not be giving the same back to us? 
I think for some of us, there'll be things about it, about being outward, about pouring yourself out to others that will come quite naturally and quite easily. There'll be things that we find natural, but there'll also be things that we really struggle with as we look at an outward relationship. And when we read about Jesus's life, we see someone that lived for others in the way that Jesus interacts with others and approaches friendship and builds community We have an example of what outward living might look like. And I just want to give three quick examples of things that Jesus did that we could learn from in what an outward relationship might look like. And the first is this. Jesus takes interest in others' lives. Now, this might seem really basic and really simple for a lot of us. But when we look at the way that Jesus went about it, there's something profound in how much interest he gives in other people and what's happening in their lives. Have you ever stopped and thought, why does Jesus ask so many questions? The man who knew so much, more than anyone that's ever existed about God, asks questions rather than giving, gives answers. Jesus genuinely took an interest in those around him. He asked questions and he listened to people's responses. He sat and had meals with people. He made those around him feel important, valued and listened to. An outward facing relationship requires us to genuinely care for those around us. It requires us to genuinely care for the people we're in relationship with. And it requires sometimes for us to show that we care as well. And sometimes that can feel quite vulnerable to step out and show that you care because it can feel like you're giving something without receiving anything yet. But there are little things we can do to show that we care about other people. We can ask questions, listen to people. We can remember things that we were told. We can pray for them and we can go on journeys with them. Philippians 2 verse 4 says this, let each of you not uh, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Secondly, I realise we've got five minutes. Secondly, Jesus was vulnerable to his friends. Vulnerability is so, so key in any outward relationship because vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Without vulnerability, I'll tell you right now that you're never going to have a deep relationship with anyone. If you're unwilling to be vulnerable in the slightest, it's impossible to build that deep meaningful relationship. And even Jesus was vulnerable. In Mark 14, we read of uh, before his arrest, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he brought with him his three closest friends. Something that was really unnecessary, really, to bring them. But Jesus brings them with him. And in a moment where Jesus is at his lowest... He shares 
everything with his friends. He says to them, my soul is full of sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch. Jesus invites his friends to join in his vulnerability, in his moment of sorrow. And then he goes and prays and weeps. See, I don't know about you, but maybe I I would have felt like I needed some support in that situation. Maybe I'd want my closest friends to come with me. But I don't think I would have invited them to watch as I weeped and cried and was shaking in fear. Jesus invites his friends to come and join him in his most vulnerable state. Jesus' vulnerability allows his closest friends to journey with him and share his emotions with him. Finally, Jesus was honest. I think my biggest struggle that I have in being truly outward, being truly unselfish in relationships, is that I am a people pleaser. I really struggle to not people please. I care too much about being liked to give the truth when it's needed. And this isn't the most helpful thing at all for other people. Sometimes being able to challenge others and keep them accountable and be honest with them is a much more loving approach to friendship. And Jesus in his life had these difficult conversations. He was honest to people, but he did so in a non-judgmental way. You see how he spoke to Peter when he told him that he was going to deny him three times. And this isn't an excuse to pick everyone up on everything they do wrong or to be a judgmental person. Because in order to be honest with someone, you need to have credit in the bank. You need to have shown vulnerability and you need to have earned their trust. But it's important that we can be honest with our friends, that we would be outward facing and care more about them and who they are than how it would make me feel to upset someone or let them down. Jesus built relationships where he could have difficult conversations because they knew that it always came from a place of love. The credit in the bank, the showing you're there with them, showing that you love them, showing that you're for them, is the foundation of which we can then be honest in these ways. So as we turn outwards in our relationships and we choose others and we're vulnerable, the likelihood is we will still encounter moments of strong inward pull. And we must be aware that this gravitational pull towards self won't go away simply because we lean deeper into deeper friendships and relationships. It might be if you're turning outward and giving more of yourself, it might be that you feel aggrieved that you're giving more than you're receiving. It may be that you have days where you just want to be closed off, where you don't feel like you can be vulnerable to share your life with others. Or maybe you're just too tired today to really invest and ask questions into people's lives. 
We may feel as though our attempts at living outwards is leaving us too vulnerable uh, and too easy to be taken advantage of. And these are all some challenges uh, that we'll face as we turn away from ourselves and turn outwards in our relationships. And not all of these are bad things to consider. They're things that are worth pondering on. Because we do need to look after ourselves. We do need to refuel. We do need to guard our hearts. The challenge of turning outward in relationships is not simply to disregard all self-care, but to readdress the balance of the inward and the outward pull of relationships. So I just want to take a couple of minutes now to spend some time as Darlene plays, just quietly reflecting on our own relationships, our own friendships, our own relationships with family members, colleagues, and maybe neighbours, and spend a couple of minutes reflecting on where in those relationships can I turn more outward. Maybe there's some relationships where we are quite inward-focused, quite self-focused, Where can we turn more outward focused? What do we need to do to readdress the balance between the inward and the outward pull in our relationships? So we're just going to have a couple of minutes of quiet reflection and then there are a couple of groups that I'd love to pray for and then we will head. So let's just have a couple of minutes to reflect on our own relationships. Last night as I was reflecting and praying on this morning, I felt God giving me two groups of people that I believe he's wanting to minister to this morning. And in a minute we're going to, um, we're going to finish and those that, that want to have their conversations, go into the cafe and have your conversations, feel free to do that. But I want to keep this place as a place of prayer, of a place of reflection. And there's two groups that I particularly feel like God's wanting to minister to. And the first is, I feel there's some people here today whose past hurt is stopping you from being able to commit to a real, deep, genuine relationship or friendship. Maybe you felt let down or betrayed in past friendship. And I believe this morning that God is wanting to heal you from that pain and to release you from this burden and help you grow outward in your relationships to give more of yourself. And the other group, I I get a sense that there's a few people here this morning that as I talk about relationships, especially deep and real, honest relationships, all that does is highlight loneliness. And it's not a loneliness where you don't have anyone around you but a loneliness where you feel surrounded by people, but no one really knows me. And I'm going to pray in a second for both those people, but it would be amazing if if, if you fit in one of those groups to be really brave and come and 
grab someone at the front to come and pray with you. And you're not going to be asked loads of questions or specifics, but we'd love to pray for you that God will move in that place. So let me pray. And then for those that want to come forward, feel free to do so. And if you want to chat, then go into the cafe and do so. God, thank you that you have created us to be in community with other people. Thank you that you love us deeply. And Lord, I pray that you help us to overflow of your love, to overflow your love to our relationships, to those that we have relationships with. Lord, will will you help us to be more outward facing in our relationships, that your love will be shown everywhere we go and to everyone that we see, have conversations with and know. And Lord, I want to pray for those that as we talk about these deep, meaningful relationships who feel lonely, Lord, I want to pray for those people, Lord. Will you comfort them? Will you guide them? Will they know your love this morning? And Lord, I also want to pray for those that feel hurt by past relationships and friendships. Lord, those that because of their past, they feel like they cannot be vulnerable again. Lord, we pray for healing. Healing from that pain. So God, we pray for everyone in this room this morning. We pray, God, that you will, uh, as we go out from here, that we will reflect on what it looks like to show more of your love to those around us what it looks like to be less selfish in our relationships and more loving towards others. Spirit, will you move this week in each of our lives? Show us, reveal to us where we can be more outward facing because of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.